When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shop all things Cherry Johnson at therealcherry.com. Cherry's World is brought to you by Less is More Events. Get in line. Welcome to Cherry's World. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cherry's World. Today, we've got a model actor in the house. His name is Alfonso Settles. He first caught my attention on a TV show called My Stepkids, alongside of Clifton Powell and Rodney Perry. But he got a new show, and it's called Deceitful Passions. I want to hear all about it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Alfonso Settles. This is Cherry's World. Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. This is Alfonso. Alfonso, this is Courtney. I on, man. Hey, what up? I can't complain. You got it. Look like you look look familiar. Look like one of my buddies from Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in Detroit. Uh oh. What up, though? <laughs> what? Hey, right. That's what we say. What up, though? <laughs> <laughs> now, Mister Man is actually with us today, and he's in the car because he tried to leave set early to make sure that he got here on time. Yes. Yes. Nice. Been working. I've been blessed so. You know, it's been, it's been a blessing, man. So I'm just trying to capitalize on any and every opportunity that I can get that's going to lead me in the right direction. Absolutely. What you working on today? Um, well, we was filming, actually, what happened, um, the project that I was going to do, they ended up, it's a long story, but you know how I go in the indie film world. So I don't, I don't want to get into too much, but that's probably not going to happen. Oh. Okay, well, moving right along. So, Courtney, he was on this show called My Stepkids with Clifton Powell and Rodney Perry. And that's where he really caught my attention. Can you tell us a little bit more about that crazy-ass show? Well, um, 
it was supposed to go to uh, my TV 20 and some things went on the back end and it ended up not happening. But I did get the, ch- get the chance to share the set with Cliff and uh, Rodney. And, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, we shot that. Um, you know, we were all over different parts of Michigan. You know, I shared the set with them about two or three different days. And, and you know, we had fun. But more than anything, you know, we worked. But I got a chance to sit next to some guys who's been doing this forever and just pick their brain, just see how they move and how they operate. And, you know, I wasn't starstruck, but I was just really paying attention to what they were doing and how they were moving and just trying to incorporate some of the things that they were doing into my own and then making my own, you know. But I, I was I was really blessed to be able to share the set with those guys. We had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, how long have you been pursuing the whole acting career? Uh, I mean, it's really something that I always wanted to do um, growing up. Play, I just played basketball. I was in the sports, and and then you know you get you get you get to a point where it's like okay, obviously I'm not going to the NBA, so you got to do something different, man. So I I want to say for about maybe a year and a half, two years, I was kind of like stuck, like not really knowing what to do next because all I knew was sports. So I I got off into the acting thing about 2015, going into 2016, and it started with the modeling. You know, I was doing a lot of different shows and doing things of that nature. And, you know, um, this, this company that I was working for, they had sent me some information about being uh, an extra in this movie called Ovid and the Art of Love, which literally just went to Amazon Prime about maybe a month ago almost. But we shot it like four or five years ago. And, um, you know, I sent them all my stuff, had to send them my headshots and, you know, my resume, which at that time <laughs> nothing was on my resume. So they went and they looked at my pictures, my headshots, and they came back at me and said, instead of you being an extra, we would like for you to be a feature extra. So you won't have any lines, but you'll share the, the screen with uh, John Savage. And, you know, he's he been acting since, you know, before I was born just about. And, you know, I shared the set with him. And, man, we sat on set for four five hours just, you know, waiting to get our scenes. And I just was able to just pick his brain and learn a lot from him. So. I just was, again, that was my first time doing anything in front of a camera. So I just was in awe and I just, I got big by the bug and I just been going, doing it ever since. Nice. Hey, so, uh, yeah, Cherry brought it up that you work with Rodney Perry. I interviewed Rodney Perry a few years ago and I was actually mm-hmm. uh, working some show with him as well. Um, he's caught the COVID. I don't know if you guys heard that. He got COVID-19. I did hear that. I did, I did hear that. Um, yeah, my prayers go out to him, man. This 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 COVID nineteen is is you gotta be careful out here, man. I think the way that we're used to living and 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 what we are what used to be the norm is, is that's that's going away. I mean, now everybody got to be masked up. You got to practice social distancing. So my prayers go out to him. I did hear that he had COVID, so I, I just hope he bounced back and, yeah. and you know keep making us laugh. Right. Speaking of COVID, like you're out working right now. Are you comfortable? I mean. Um, well, yeah, because if I wasn't comfortable, I wouldn't do it. Um, the sets that I've been a part, you know, they've been very, very uh, mindful about how we move. You know, we even practice social distancing on set when we can. Uh, you know, we got one person that, that handles the food and the snacks and the catering, so everybody's not, you know, dipping their hands in the same thing. And, you know, we, we uh, they, they check our temperatures before we even walk in. Uh, you know, we hand sanitizer, you know, everywhere, every ter- everywhere you turn, it's a bottle of sanitizer. So, you know, we, we being as proactive as we can be and still try to work and do what we love to do. So it's, 
it's a little difficult, but you know, we understand. So everybody's been pretty, pretty on point with what we need to do to try to keep everybody safe. You know, um, you know, I just think thinking like uh, about this, about, you know, how COVID is, is, is messing things up. Like what if they ask you to do like, not necessarily like a, even a love scene, but like a kissing scene, you know, like, would you be thinking twice? Like, well, damn, you know, I remember Janet Jackson said that about Pac for Poetic Justice. Yeah, I, like, I remember that. She made him take a test or something. Like, yeah, I, I remember. I was crazy. So um, now that's kind of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, now it's not so crazy. I mean, would I be comfortable with it? I, I probably would only because, you know, before we even go on set, you know, we have to get COVID tested. And, and we have to show our results and make sure everybody is, is what they need to be. Well, so you it would be in the back of my mind. Huh? Were you actually taking the test? Do they actually make you take the test? Yeah, you have to go to a facility, you know, wherever you can find near you and, and, and get tested. And, oh, okay. you know, come with your results to make sure that, that you're good to go so we can work. So that right there kind of personally helps me to be able to move along. Like, okay, everybody here got tested, so we we good to go. So let's work. Okay. It's scary. Yeah. Test oh. is a month. Well, that test is rough from whatever. You took the one they stick it in your nose, right? Yeah, they stick it in your nose, but they got different ones now because I think when the COVID first hit us, they had the one that went like all the way up here. Yeah. Now they just got the swab where they just get the you know the tip of your nose and, and kind of go from there. So it's not so bad. It's just like you know getting swabbed out. But those first tests were like the needles was like that long, them, them swab tips. So like taking an STD, like taking an STD right. test. Not that I would know. Well, hopefully you do now. Well, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, like I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> you just made me feel a little bit more confident because I was scared of that thing going all the way up in my nose too. Yeah, I mean I was too. And initially that's what I was thinking, but when I got there, it was just like a little tip. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, that changes the game completely. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. deceitful passion, deceit passion. What correct me because I know I'm saying it wrong. Deceitful passions. Oh, deceitful passions. Tell us about. Uh, oh man, where can I start? Um, it, it's it's a messy movie. Uh, it's it, it got a lot of different twists and turns that'll keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, it's one of those movies that when you think you know what's about to happen, something else happens. It's very unpredictable. Um, we had a lot of fun doing it. I recommend if if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, watch it with it. No kids. No, no kids. That's good. Definitely. Right. You definitely want to watch that with you with significant other or some other adults. But um, I mean, it's, it's doing great. It's been viewed over uh, 12, minute, 12 million minutes on Tubi, doing really good on Amazon Prime. So, you know, I'm just proud of it. It was a project that I really, really wanted to do. And that was my first lead role that a lot of people can see, you know, on a huge platform like Tubi and Amazon Prime. So, I was just blessed to be able to be a part of the cast and, and, and you know, bring something to the screen that people haven't saw before from me. Congratulations. Thank you. What was it like, you know, shooting there? You said it's like uh, something that you don't want to have around the kids. So what was it like, you know? Well, you know, well, you know it's, it's it, you know, okay, I'll just get right to it. There's a sex scene yeah. and it was my first yeah. sex scene and, um, you know, I was a little bit nervous because initially it wasn't it wasn't written into the script. There were no sex scenes in the movie. And we were sitting on set one day and we were actually getting ready to 
to film the scene where uh, it was her and I just supposed to have been talking in the bedroom and we were kind of supposed to have uh, not really a full-fledged argument, just kind of some back and forth. And and then it was just supposed to fade out and go to the next scene. And we were getting ready to shoot that. And the director, we were sitting there like, you know what? This movie's kind of dry. I think this next scene should be a sex scene. And I was like, what? Wait, wait a minute. What? Like, what do you mean? And then they started talking about how they wanted to do it as if I wasn't sitting right there. I'm like, like, hello, like I am sitting right here. Like, wait a minute. Like, so we ended up not shooting it that night. And then, you know, they gave us a couple of weeks to kind of get mentally prepared for it. And uh, we went oh, ahead and shot it a couple of weeks later. And um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, uh, her and my co-star, we we both was like, oh, it wasn't so bad. And then we, were, we looked at the playback. We was like, ah, okay. It was sensual, you know, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like power or nothing like that. They just, uh, gave issue. you a couple of weeks? They did, because once they decided to add it, they had to figure out how they were going to shoot it. And initially, they didn't know how they were going to shoot it because it wasn't in the script. So they had to go back. I haven't been in that position, okay? <laughs> and I haven't been in a position where it wasn't a sex scene in the script. But I had a director take me to the side and be like, okay, we know you got this no nudity clause, right? But how mm-hmm. would you feel if you take your pants off right now? And we just, you know, we need a little spice and we just film you walking up the hallway, maybe in like some panties or a long t-shirt and you go get in the bed. Yeah, that's what we gonna do. Are you okay with that? And then all of a sudden they're off searching for panties. You know what I mean? Which wow. panties? Do these panties fit you? Do these, should we do boy shirts? I'm like, I'm not doing the thong. You know what I'm saying? Give me the boy shirts, I'll right. do that. And then they just right there. So they gave you a couple weeks to think about it. Yeah, yeah they gave up. Well, not so much to think about it because once they decided or said that we were gonna do it, it was it was a done deal. It's just for them, how are they gonna do it? How are they gonna shoot it? And within those couple of weeks, I'm like, yo, so y'all figured out how we going? They're like, no, not yet, not yet. So it really wasn't the day of till we got the set that they decided how to set the room and because there was a lot of mirrors around. So they had to set the room, which took them about an hour and some change to just even set the environment for us. And then, you know, once we got ready to shoot it, you know, they pulled us off to the side. It was a closed set. So it was the only people there that needed to be there to make it happen. And and we did it. And you know, a lot of people look at it and they say, oh, were you guys doing it for real? Or did you, or was this? And I'm like, no, it's not what you think. Like, how do you, I'm not, I, don't, I don't act. So how do you act a sex scene? Well, I mean, you just, you just play out the motions of what you're doing. But for me, you know, I'm just concentrating on what we need to do to get the scene. You know, I'm not, I'm not excited. My mind is not wandering, you know, because you're, you're in the mix of it. But you got a camera right here. And then you got the directors telling you what to do and how to move and, okay, cut. You know, we got to do this. We got to do that. So there's a lot of cutting in between. They might have to change the battery or maybe something showing in the background that shouldn't be showing. So it's, it's just not like when you see it and you look at it for those, you know, 45 or 30 seconds or however long it is, it's not like that continuously. It's just once they edit it and run it all together, it turns out to be that way. So, so how, long does it take, how long does it take to shoot a 45-second sex scene? Oh, uh, that scene for me, well, well, that was about almost two years ago. I think we, it took us about an hour, maybe, 45 minutes to an hour. It wasn't long. I was in bed with Clifton Powell for a good hour and a half once. Yeah, yeah, it, it was about that. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't long at all. So 
So, no. you know, it was a lot of cutting and, and you But know, you had you had weeks. I got a hey Cherry, this is Shy, you you ain't shaking mm-hmm. the bed, or hey Cherry, this is Marcus. Y'all go ahead and get under them sheets. Hey Cherry, this is Clifton Powell, like weeks. I don't know. I don't know. I've never had that. Yeah. You, just to let you know, Courtney, even if it is in the script, Antoine Tanner is the perfect one. He's like my brother. We had our sex scene, right? Mm-hmm. It was take your clothes off. Then you got makeup and hair coming to fix you while you laying on the pillow and laying your hair yeah. a certain way. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. sexy about it. Mm, not at all. Look, That's why look, I say with the movie magic, once they put it all together, it it looked it looked great, you know, and it's like, wow, okay, but going through it, it was like, okay, cut, all right, move, okay, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. And every time you got a camera right in your face, so it's like, like you say, it's it's not sexy in the public, it's like not what you think. No. It's It's like turn your head to the left. Right. You kiss her right. Can you Mm -hmm. this way? Yeah. All of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's change the subject off of some sex. (laughs) Actor, right? You're a Mm -hmm. big man for Hollywood. Yes. Yes. Do you find obstacle no it's not a downfall it's a great thing but do you Mm -hmm. find it hard you know because you're kind of up there and most actors Mm -hmm. are like "Mm, they're lucky if they're five nine yes yeah so i I have run into problems you know um some roles i haven't been able to land just because of my height how tall are you six six no okay yeah so you know i'm six six two forty five two fifty last time i checked so it's like you know, when I'm standing next to somebody, if it don't look right, you know, I may not get that role. Or if I do get it, you know, they got to stand on the crate to get the over the shot, to get your close up, you know, over my shoulder. It's hard for them to get it. So, you know, most sets that I've been on, if they're not prepared for it, for my size, it's going to be an issue. Mm. Do you feel typecast because of it? Um, no. No, and I don't want to be typecast either. I don't want to take the same kind of roles because I want to be able to show my range and diversity. Um, you know, being the thug, I mean, that's cool, but I don't really want to play that. You know, I want to play something where I'm a teacher or a doctor or, or, or something out of the norm from just being your typical neighborhood guy. So have I been typecast yet? I don't, I don't feel like it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't even allow it because if I feel like it's going to put me into that same type of role, I won't even go out and audition. That's awesome. So you're very particular about what you will and will not audition for. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be in the beginning, like, cause I was just trying to get in, you know, I would take anything because I just wanted to be in the movie. But now that I've done some things and got some stuff under my belt and getting a little bit of recognition, I, you, you have to be a little bit more particular about the roles that you take on. Because you don't want to take on something that that may not be a good look. And the things that I've worked to try to establish in this industry can come crumbling down with, with the wrong kind of role. So you really have to sit down and be, I know you know that, you got to really be mindful about what you take on and what you want to do. I, I, I hear Cherry say that a lot too, that she, you know, she won't, she won't take any role. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm used to being around people that are just, what you got, what you got, you know what I mean? So it's good to hear that you know, both of y'all are consistent with, I ain't just taking anything. No, it's, they, they'll, they'll give you anything if you take it. 
And sometimes yeah. you got to know your worth. With knowing your worth, and I just asked a young lady this who was on the show earlier, do you feel some kind of responsibility within the roles that you take to other Black men? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I never thought about it in a sense of responsibility to others. Um, but in a sense, yes, because um, I was offered an audition and I, and I won't say where it was from, but you know, they wanted to play, they wanted me to play uh, homosexual for the audition. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Homophobic. homophobic. Right, I'm not homophobic at all. I don't have a problem with anybody that, you know, that's what they're into, but I didn't want to do it. And I had to turn it down. And it was a kind of a big project the big name that's why i'm not gonna say it but i was just kind of like I, I thought about it you know i did give it some thought but at the end of the day i was like man nah, that, because that's the stigma you know to get a black man and if he if he looks halfway decent you know they either want to throw him in a dress or they want him to play you know that kind of role did they know you were six six um i don't believe so no i don't believe so and as an actor it's acting so i'm not going to say that i couldn't have pulled it off but I wouldn't have been comfortable. And if you're not comfortable, then you're gonna, it's gonna show and then you're gonna do the role disjustice. So I thought about that along with everything else and I just decided not to. So I guess that kind of to answer your question, in a sense, maybe I did think about how it would affect other people. Yeah, I mean, everybody has their thing. I was, where me, I've played gay a couple times and I was ecstatic to do it. But the reason why I was ecstatic to do it is first of all, the gay community has always been very good to me and they've been very close mm -hmm. to my heart since I was a child. Mm -hmm. But to be able to play something other than the nice, sweet, best friend next door, um, right. creating the nice high school boy or the, mm -hmm. you know, the little nerdy offset boy, it was something different for me. And okay. so I was excited about doing that. Okay. Yeah. I I, I couldn't, I, I haven't seen that. I couldn't see you in that. So I, I definitely have oh, I got to do a play. I got to do a movie called Behind the Pole where I was a detective and I actually had a threesome with two women, which was amazing. <laughs> you know, it, I took it as, as Grace, you over there, I see Courtney over there like, wait, what? what? Right, he tried to what? Google, He's like, well, what's the name of that again? I got to do one of those Christian plays where I actually dated the pastor's daughter. Um, and it was amazing. The young girl who I had worked with, I was, I was actually not the first choice. And it's because the lady who got the job before me, um, I won't say she chickened out, but she just decided that once they put in a kiss, it was something that she could not do. Ah, uh, okay. And for me, I was like all ecstatic because when the audience comes in, they're coming in to see the girl from Planky Brewster. You know what I'm saying? They're coming in right. to see the girl from Family Matters. So when I get on the stage and I kick this little hottie, there, I'm going to get my, ooh, no. So I was going to make it good. Mm -hmm. Right, got to do that. Yeah, that's how I looked at it. But I do really feel that there's a responsibility with every job that we take. And we have to walk away, regardless of what anyone else feels about what we did. We have to be proud. Right. 
Right. The character That's that the one thing played. I will say. Any any role that I have taken and done, I, I'll try to, I try to embody it and, and do my mm-hmm. best to bring it to life. Because if you don't, then you will do the role and the character, you know, injustice if you don't. You know, you have to become that person for however long you need to be. You need to do whatever you need to do to, to become that person and, and make it believable. So I, I feel you on that. I commend you, though, because a lot of people don't, they don't walk away. And then they end up regretful. Um, what is the beautiful girl who played, and I'm a fan of hers, she played Nina Simone. Zoe. Zoe Saldana is now coming out and saying that she wishes that she didn't play Nina Simone. I mean, that's like a big deal. Yeah. Really? That's one of my favorite actresses. I, I like I like Zoe. She's one of my favorites. Colombiana. Do you think, but yes. Cherry, Cherry, would you, I'm glad you brought that up. Cherry, would you do something like that, though? Like, like come out and apologize for a role that, you know, someone casted you to be in and that you dig... I think this part of the whole, this whole cancel culture that she just felt, I mean, just do this to, you know, CYA. I don't, I don't know if she needed to do that. Like, I don't know her. So I think it depends on how she went home and slept that night. She voiced mm-hmm. that she was a fan of Nina Simone's and that's probably mm-hmm. what made her be like, Oh my God, I totally want to do this because I love this lady. What a great opportunity. But if she right. did then went home and was like, you know what? I shouldn't have did that. I don't know, because I've never been put in that position. You know, like, if I got to play, um, I've loved Cicely Tyson my whole life, okay? She played Mm -hmm. my mother. If I got to play Cicely Tyson, would I want to do it? Yes. If I got on set and they told me that they wanted to change my skin color in Mm -hmm. order to play her, that might make me pause because that would make me come home and be regretful. Mm-hmm. And that might make me feel like maybe a brown skinned sister should have got that instead of me. Like a mm-hmm. Terrell Hicks. You know, so it depends on the integrity of the project and what integrity I would bring to it. I, I probably wouldn't have done it. Okay. Hmm. You trying to change my color and all that kind of stuff so that I can be something else. Yeah, that doesn't make you feel good at night. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. Alfonso, you were were you ever like worried that that they might label you as, as homophobic because like, oh this dude, would you think you too good to play this or whatever? Like you think, I don't know how Hollywood works, but Well I mean you you when you when you start having that kind of conversation and getting into those kind of topics nowadays, you got to really, it's like walking through a minefield. You got to really watch what you do and what you say and how you say it because, again, you don't want to offend people. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I know I, I know people that are homosexual I, I don't have a problem with, or if that's your lifestyle, I don't. That's, that's what you do. That's just not what I do. Um, do I worry about what people say? In this day and age, you can't because if you worry about it or if you if you let it affect you, you will never be able to be comfortable in your own skin because people are going to always have something to say. It's going to always be an issue. I mean, no matter what you do, I mean, I could be dressed up as Santa Claus and buy the whole neighborhood Christmas gifts. Somebody's going to have an issue with that. 
somebody's going to find a negative in that. So it's like you just have to be you and be comfortable in your own skin. And I know what we do. And, Sherry, I know you understand that people are going to critique you on a whole different level. And you're going to always constantly be under a microscope. So if I was to worry about what people thought or what they said, I would I would lose my mind. You know, if I had hair, I would lose it because it's just you know it's just too many it's just too many opinions in this world. So I mean, you you hear it, or I might read it, but at the end of the day, man, I, I don't care. You know, I'm comfortable with and who I am as a black man, and and I'm okay with it. Absolutely, they come at me hard daily on social yes. media. <laughs> and I don't so the social media world is a ooh, I didn't you know we didn't grow up in this social media man so if it wasn't for what I'm trying to do I wouldn't probably have it but you know it's it's a gift and a curse at the same time yeah how do you feel about like you know social media and the bigger you get the more followers you get the more say everybody thinks that they have in your life again it's it's a gift and it's a curse because you know for me, you know, I grind and I work so hard trying to do so many different things and be in these projects. And I know what it's like, and you know, to, to be away from your family or you go on all day, all night, you know, you on set longer than you at home. You know, you go home just to get a few hours of sleep and then come right back depending on the role in the project. So, yeah. you know, I want to be able to do what I do and do it on a high level and entertain people. And I do understand that the bigger you get, the more people are looking at you and it's, and it's happening now. And, and, it, and it can be, it can be irritating, but I'm kind of a recluse anyway, like my social media, like my Instagram, especially, I don't have everything in my, in my, my Instagram is just all business related, all acting and modeling. That's, <clears throat> that's really it, nothing personal. And I try to separate it. In my Facebook, I'm getting ready to try to do the same thing to keep it separated because you have to. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm stuck up or standoffish or that I can't be accessible. But, you know, when people come at me now, you know, if, especially if I don't know them, I'm like, mm, like where you, you know, what, what really is it that you want? Like, are you really a fan or you want something or you you trying to get me to get you a role? Like, what do you, in the back of my mind, it's always, what is the ulterior motive? And I don't want to be like that, but you kind of got to be like that. You be know, always on a consent, you know, because you just, you just never know. And I'm not even big like that. I'm not saying it, but, you know, I, I do have a base of fans, I think, that you just never know where people are coming from sometimes. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And I don't, I, I really don't mess with the social media like that on the personal side either. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But you right. get to read the creepers that write me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she does it, man. I mean, if you wow. Yeah, I don't know how she does it. Are you yeah, a father? Am I what? A father. Yes, yes. I have a twelve year old. She's going on twenty five, seems like. But no. <laughs> I have a twelve year old daughter. No, that's that's my that's my that's my heart right there. What kind of conversations are you having with her this year? This is a hard year for little brown babies. Man, listen. <laughs> okay. She's 12. She's, she's kind of tall. She's going to be tall. She's already tall for her age. She's very pretty, long hair. And, you know, I just tell her that I just keep it as real with her as possible because she hear it anyway. I just say, listen, I, you know, it's okay if you want to like boys and, and, and this and that, but you know, always be respectful 
of yourself. You know, I try to show her what real love is first. So when she finally, you know, get off into want a date and, and, you know, marry down the line, long, long time down the line, um, she know what she, she to expect because I'm trying to set the example for her now. You know, um, as, as far as her being, you know, a black woman or will be a black woman as she gets older, I just let her know that, you know, times are changing for women. There are a lot more women are in power and CEOs than it was 20 or 30 years ago, but you're going to always have to work 10, you know, 10 times harder to get where you want to get. And you want to be able to do that on your own. That's why I tell her to, you know, finish school. I know college ain't for everybody, but if you at least go and get that experience to know if it's for you or not and, and just work hard and don't let nobody tell you what you can't do if you feel like you can do it, you know, and we have a, we have a really, She's really a daddy's girl, you know. She tried to act like she ain't listening, but she she hear me when I talk to her. Yes, and she might bring it back up several several years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my role, dog. Anywhere I can take her, she she usually be with me. That's so, really sweet. knowing that you're a father. Do you, is is that one of the reasons why you didn't want to take that role too? Um, no. Because at the end of the day, I'm still an adult, still a man. Um, are, are you referring to the deceitful passions or our other role? No. The one you turned down. The other role, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she know me as I'm, I'm, I'm a manly man. But she knows I'm a, I'm a great actor. But for her to see me in that light, she wouldn't judge because she knows and she understands. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want her to see me. I just wouldn't. That makes sense. So speaking of being a dad, what's going on with school? Are you worried? Are you social distancing? Are we learning on the internet? Or is your baby going in that door? I don't want her to go in the door. Um, we just had a meeting uh, a couple of days ago, and, and I voted for it to be virtual learning because that's pretty much what they've been doing since the pandemic hit us in March. Um, we can practice social distance as adults, and it's tough. It's very hard. You think kids don't do social distancing? No. Once they get in there, all all the masks is coming off, all the protective, none of that is going to matter to them because kids already think they're invincible anyway. They're not going to practice social distance. I don't care, in my opinion, how much they try to enforce it at the schools. I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, she'll be in the eighth grade next year, so she's still in middle school, so that's that's the age range of, of, I believe, 11 to, to 13. I just don't see them being able to social distance. And I don't want my baby to come home and be sick. And, you know, you can't watch them 24-7. So, you know, I, I voted for them to go on, just online, yeah. virtual. Because that's the way that, that's the way that the schooling is going anyway. Everything is online. You know, send me the website, send me the link. And, you know, they do a homework off their cell phones, whereas in our days, we didn't even have cell phones. So, right. You know, they, they learning a whole other different style of stuff than what we grew up with. So, nah. And it's so crazy. It's so crazy for me when I first started doing the show with Cherry. She was teaching me, you know, she's been teaching me about manifestation. But she's been telling me about homeschooling from the beginning when we first started doing the show. That couple of our first Mm -hmm. shows was about this, and I would have never thought a year and a half later, like that's what I'm doing now. Like you know, not as much as life, but yeah, the the homeschooling, like it's and it's like essential. 
You know, I'm with you. Yeah, I, don't yeah. kids, I don't want my kids in there. Mm-mm. Yeah, so if I can have my way until I know that they got this COVID situation under control, hopefully it's soon. But until I feel comfortable as her father sending her to school, she'd be right in the, in the kitchen table on the desktop. Yep. So, Smart. She wants to go back to school too, but yeah. she want to go so she can socialize. Exactly. I mean, be in school too, but she want to be with her friends, and yeah. I don't know. You stay home. Yeah. Of course, all kids are gonna want to be at their. You know, I told people, and people are like, "Oh, kids are smart. Kids listen. Kids have more common sense than adults." True, but by the first recess in kindergarten, they're gonna be trading masks. Yeah. I, I give you my Batman for your Spider Man. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it, um, it's, and then they want to horseplay, and and then what you gonna do with gym class, or they just gonna cut gym out? Like I don't really know how they're going to even teach the curriculum or what it's gonna be about. So I just send me what she gotta have, or send it on the computer, and I'll feel a whole lot safer. And we'll get it done. Some kids are actually being put in a class. They're not allowed out for recess. They're not allowed out for lunch. They are at their desk. The whole time, and they're not allowed Little to get kids, up. That's not gonna work. Yeah. It's not fair, yeah. and I don't think it's gonna work. Cause kids that age, when they're young, they need a reset. You yeah. know, they they need that to get that out of their system. And if you're keeping kids cooped up at their desk the whole time, I don't. They gonna some kids are just shut down, and once they shut down, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I homeschool and my daughter will tell you we homeschool in her room, her desk is in her room or she's at the kitchen table. She will tell you after about 45 minutes, I need a break. Yeah. Yes. And I let her take it. She needs a break. Yeah. Let her give up a wiggle. Sometimes we do like sh- she's six. So you do three questions, stand up, do 10 jumping jacks and then sit back down and we make it a game. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't lose interest. Yeah, but if you got them cooped up at that desk, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. not fun. Yeah. So what about, have you had a conversation, this is a hard one, but unfortunately as black parents, we have to. Have you had a conversation with your daughter about the police and her relationship um, with law enforcement? You know, I, I have actually. I, I told her that, you know, because I got some friends that are police officers, so I, you know, I have to tell her, like, listen, every Police officer is not bad, you know, mm-hmm. but what what they have access to with the internet, these cell phones, you know, like I said, we didn't have that. It's always been a thing that's been going on since the Rodney King days back in the early 90s, but we didn't have a platform to see it. Mm-hmm. Now the kids see it and they become desensitized to it to a certain degree. But I tell her, I say, listen, you know, every cop is not a bad cop. You know, you don't have to be fearful when you see the police because they are here to serve and protect. And you know, when you get older, if you get pulled over, don't be disrespectful. Don't talk smart to them. Just give them what they ask for. Try to be as polite as you can be and and just keep it moving. Because at the end of the day, you know, you may have to swallow your pride to make it, you know, even as a woman, you know, so I've talked to her and told her, you know, she's aware. Yeah, I've had that same conversation with my daughter, man. My daughter's 10. And uh, yeah, I told her basically the same thing. But I got a little bit more graphic. Uh, and I showed her some things that they do. And I mm-hmm. I just told her, just like you, you know, uh, keep your mouth shut. 
and then say whatever you got to say and do whatever you got to do to get out of the situation unharmed. Exactly. And then, you know, we can have, we, we can have it from there. Yes. Exactly. They do nothing for you if you're gone, you know, so. Nothing. It's such a hard conversation to have. I mean, I've had it with my six-year-old already because I don't know if you guys saw the other day, they pulled over that family. Yes. Um, over and, and they had on the ground. Yeah, I saw that. That was terrible. Makes no I, saw that. I couldn't understand what, what were they trying to do. But they said that's standard, that's standard, you know, policy, you know, and that's it's like standard bullshit. And yeah. yeah. But as you know, as a woman, I think I could take it a little bit more calm and try to explain to my baby what's going on and how my baby needs to be calm and stuff like that. As fathers. You guys have that natural protection thing. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. thought about being put in that position where you would totally have to humble yourself just to make sure that you and your baby gets home safe after something like that might happen? Um, yeah, I actually have. This was some years back. I, I had got pulled over. And, and I don't know. I think they were undercover uh, narcs. They mistake me for somebody else. And my kid was, she was very young. She was still in the car seat. She had to have been about one, maybe, maybe two tops. I was driving up the street. The next thing I know, the, the cop, the bay was a van. They cut me off, pulled in front of me, jumped out with their guns out. It was like five or six of them and like one female. And had their guns drawn, screaming at me, telling me to keep my hands up and get out of the car. And I didn't know what was going on. Like, I didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, I got my daughter in the back. She's screaming, crying. She don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I'm telling them like, what did I do? What did I do? And then I heard one of the guys, he, he pulled, well, I guess he was the lead officer. He pulled him to the side and say, that's not him, he got the wrong car. And they looked back at me and was like, sorry for the inconvenience, have a good day. He got back in their van and threw it off. No. And I just was like, I just was, just was in awe, like, but while all of that was going on, I'm like, what did I do? Why are you guys pulling me over? Like, I didn't do anything. Like, what is this even about? And I guess once I got to, you know, going back and forth with them, you know, letting them know that, hey, this is, I'm not whoever you think I am. And then they re they realized, like, no, nah, this is not him. And they got in their van, they stormed, you know, started down the street. And I just. But that's not good enough. That's not good enough because now we have a child who's in the back who is terrified anytime they see a cop car. Mm -hmm. They're literally traumatizing generations of black people. And the sorry we got the wrong car is not okay. What can we do to change that or to make them change that for the next generation? Did you call the station? Did you complain? No, I didn't because I didn't I didn't know where they were from. They were in an unmarked van. You know, I didn't see their badges until they got out because some of them had them around their necks. Some of them was wearing them, you know, on their waist. And they had all I saw, all I saw was guns. <laughs> and at yeah. that point, I just yeah. feared for my daughter, for my life and my daughter's life because I didn't know if they was going to shoot or shoot in the car and not know she was in the backseat in the car seat. Like, that could have just went left on so many different accords, man. So I just wanted them to go ahead and get away from me let me take my daughter and go about my business. So that's not good enough. But at that time, I was so scared and I just was happy the day was gone. That was good enough for me. But 
you know, with all the things here that's going on in this world, man, I think that that I think that they're starting to listen to us a little bit now. So I, I just pray for change and equality across the board, man, and hope that, you know, we can be finally treated as equal and as human beings. Because I as right now I feel like we are in a dangerous species and we've been hunted. Yes. And unfortunately, it's not isolated incidents. Like nine out of 10 black people that you speak to have had not nice incidents with the police and they say, sorry, and let you go. And you're just supposed to be happy that you're alive. That's not okay. Yeah, it's not, it's not. So hopefully, man, with all that's going on in the world with the George Floyd and the Donna Taylors and just everything with the racism, and I just, I hope it stops. I pray that it stops because, you know, I got to be here to protect my kids and be here for my family. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that we got to live that way, but it's just the way it is. Hopefully things will change. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think it will because systematically that's, that's the standard. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, me and Cherry did an interview with someone earlier and, I, and I'm a union guy and I know police officers have the, the strongest union there is. And all this stuff yeah. that they're doing, that's, that's in their rule book. And, you know, I think the guy that, that killed George Floyd is going to, he's going to get off. Uh, next year, he'll be free, and all definitely all the other officers will be free if that if Chauvin ain't, but definitely all the other officers. I mean, because and the reason why is because according to Minnesota, that officer did everything according to standard. So I don't know where it's standard to have your knee on a man's neck for eight minutes. I don't know nowhere in the world where that's standard, but yeah, you know. Like you say, they 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 back each other up and and they support everything that happens. It seems like it's okay and it's not okay. No. And I think for the first time in a long time, you know, we fighting back. And I and I, I feel like we're being heard to a degree. So we gonna see what what really happens. You know? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm I'm just not as optimistic as everybody else because <laughs> I should be, but I'm I'm a grump. I guess I guess. <laughs> No, I don't think you're a grump. I think you know history, and unfortunately, history seems to repeat itself. But what I will Mm -hmm. say is that we've always had white allies, right? Mm -hmm. But we have more now than we ever had before. And I think that white people have finally figured out they are the answer to correcting racism, that we cannot correct it because if we could, it would have been corrected a long time ago. Yes. So I have faith that we have white allies who will now begin to check each other. And I think yeah. that model change. And, and we have white families who are having the same conversations behind closed doors that we have to have as black parents with our children. Mm-hmm. They're now having those conversations with their white children that they never felt like they had to have before. And I think that's what will change. I'm, praying, I'm manifesting that that's yeah. what will change. Yeah, they start to hold each other accountable. And I think that that's, that's two steps in the right direction. You know, holding each other accountable for, for, the, for the actions and things that are taking place. But there are also the, those white families that are having a conversation with their kids. You see those guys protesting? Those guys are thugs. They all they are are bad citizens and they're, and they're wasting our tax money, dog. We had to clean this shit up. I mean, you got those people too. So 
Hopefully. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> what I'm hoping, though, is those little kids. I mean, it won't hit all of them, but we're seeing it on social media. We're seeing some of those little kids say, Mom, Dad, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing that. That's good. You're wrong. So regardless of what their parents are feeding them, their own conscience is kicking in, and they know it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think before, even though some of the children knew that mommy and daddy were wrong, mommy and daddy is how they ate, they didn't say anything. Yeah. We got some rebels coming up now who don't mind saying, you know, I don't care if I get in trouble. I don't care if I get a spanking. But you're ridiculous, and I'm disgusted by your views. Mm -hmm. That's because we, a lot of kids have been home, and now they get to see it for themselves. Yes. Right. Right. Hey, Alfonso, let me ask you a question because Cherry made me think about it. So when I first interviewed, when I first met Cherry, I interviewed her and I asked her what role does she want to play? And I forget exactly what it was, but she said a dark role. I forget exactly what it was. But uh, mm -hmm. do you see, could, is there a, a role? I know we touched on that already. Do you, what kind of role would you like to play that might be out outside the box, per se, that you... Well, well, two. One, I want to do a horror movie where I'm the only black guy like it usually be, but I actually want to survive. Oh. I actually had landed a role like that where I was the only black guy and I was going to live about three or four different times. You thought I was going to die and I lived, but we ended up, it didn't happen. I was, oh, I was so hurt. I wanted to do that. But outside of that, I, was, I want to do, um, I like to play crazy. I like to play uh, kind of like the perfect guy, uh, fatal affair kind of role. I want I like to play stuff like that because it's fun. And he want to kill. Him, he that. kill <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, if it, if it calls for it, but I I want to play that kind of crazy because I, that's so much. That's so far from my actual personality for me to do it and to be believable. Because I did a play like that, and a lot of people that knew me that saw the play were like, bro. Like you kill that, like because it's I'm so not like that. I'm cool, I'm chill, I'm laid back, but I would love to do a role where you know I come in as the charming guy in the beginning, and as the, as it plays on, I, you start to peel back different layers, and it's like hold on, this guy, and then at the end of it, it's like okay, this dude is just flat out fucking crazy, like he's nuts. I would love to play a role like that. I would love it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Can Thank you, you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Is there anything else you want the audience to know? Uh, yeah, man. Check me out on Amazon Prime. Check me out on Tubi TV, Deceitful Passions. Also, The Bad Girls. Uh, that's B-A-G. Like, go get your bag. The Bad Girls is out on uh, Tubi and Amazon Prime. And it's currently the most popular movie on Tubi, I think the last time I checked, which was yesterday. So, yeah. So, those movies are doing extremely well right now. So, if y'all ain't got nothing to do, check them out. Again, if you do watch them, don't watch them with the baby. Watch them with the spouse or somebody else that's an adult, because <laughs> it's not kid-friendly. You know, let me ask both of you guys one last question. What I'm mm -hmm. noticing, especially now, and I think COVID has, because people are going to be forced to stay home, and it's not going to be as much, I, I don't know if the theater business is going to survive or is it going to come back or whatnot but streaming like that is like at first it was like you know like like the ah, i'm not but now streaming is like 
really the go-to now. How do you both of you all mm-hmm. feel about you know streaming movies now or streaming TV as a, as a new outlet? Um, I love it because I don't really everything I do is, is, is you know Netflix or or some type of streaming anyway. I don't even really watch regular TV, and for me, you know, coming from the area that's here, like where we come from, like those kind of shows like Family Matters or or Good Times or shows that we grew up with don't really exist anymore. You know, everything is reality and streaming. So for me, getting into this game of being an actor is perfect yeah. because, you know, I'm not at the level where, where I haven't been in a, in a movie on a silver screen that's playing across the world. Yeah. You know, the silver screen yeah. movies I've been in are playing in my city. So everybody in my city seen it, but the world didn't see it. So for me to be able to get on a platform like Amazon Prime or Tubi, where the world can see it, for me as an actor, that's huge. I'll take that because that's what that's what it what it is. Like it's like the world is dominated now by the internet, but we didn't grow up like that. But if you don't have the internet, you can't survive nowadays. It's like it's kind of becoming that way with streaming. Like if you don't have a streaming, like what are you doing? So for me, it's perfect. For me, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Um, I'm excited that streaming platforms are actually starting to give out network contracts. Mm. For me, that's a big deal because when they started, there was really not a lot of money in streaming for actors. Can you explain it? Can you explain that, what you mean by that? What I mean by that is because streaming was new, they didn't have the budgets that maybe a network would have. But now that we actually have networks like Peacock um, is run by, is a subsidiary of Universal and NBC. So we have a network backing our streaming service that Punky is coming out on. We, we have a regular, a nice paycheck. But when streaming started, they didn't really have that. It was like, oh, we're trying something new. We got a couple hundred dollars. Are you with it? For me, I wasn't with it. But you know, so I'm excited to see where it's going to go five to ten years from now. Because mm-hmm. it'll be just like working for a network TV. Yeah, look like no matter what. Well, I'm happy for both of you all. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy for you too, Courtney. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I've been a I've been a huge fan of you since I I was a kid or we was a kid. Like I've been watching you since Funky Bruce today. So to so to be right here and, and actually be talking and you know we kind of doing the same thing now. It's amazing. It's awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm just gonna put it out there that one day we I'm gonna get to work with that dimple man right there. Hey, that'd be awesome. I'm proud of you. Wait a minute! This guy is six foot six. Cherry, I don't, see, I, I don't know if I don't think you could pull that world off. Being being working with a guy that's six foot six. I am five seven. They could put me on the Apple box. Yeah. <laughs> put you in some heels. You work in some heels. You be about good five eleven. Yes. Almost six feet, and then you put my little six foot self on the Apple box. I'm good. I'm joking. All right, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Be safe out there. I will. Yeah. I will. Y'all be safe yeah. too. Yeah. Y'all be safe too. Absolutely. I'm in the house. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I try not to if I don't have to. Oh, yeah, I get it. 
I'll be out and about. <laughs> Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. 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 Shop all things Cherry Johnson at therealcherry.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.